The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. chapter 1, and we all got together at the beginning of that sermon and said, so much better. And so this is my third sermon in a series on Jesus, and the title is, Jesus is much more better. And I know you English people are going to just cringe on that a little bit, but that is what I want you to do. It's for effect. Jesus Christ is much more better. For years I'd hear people say, more better, that's more better. Well, it always kind of, I like it here, I like it. He is much more better. Take your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6. I read the verse uh, two weeks ago and I want to say a special thank you to Dr. Uh, Crabb, uh, which is assistant pastor here, as well as uh, Marty Moon, Brother Marty Moon, his assistant pastor here also and how they pick up when I'm gone and, and just do such good things. I've heard such good reports about the messages, the science school, everything. It makes me want to take off more. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 says, But now hath he obtained, as Jesus Christ, a more excellent ministry, by how much... Also, he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. That's where I got the much more better from. Those three words are there, not in that order. But Jesus Christ is much more better. Jesus is much more excellent because of his ministry. He is more better, if I may say it that way, because of the ministry, the first point being that he has. He has. You that are trusting in Jesus Christ today, sitting here, are much more better blessed. Much more better blessed. Is this on? Turn that off. Oh, oh. A sound guy. Wait a minute. Let me get back here. I want you to walk all the way up here and turn that baby on. That's the punishment for this. Come on. Come on now. He forgot to turn my mic on. Oh. 
That is cheating. Testing, testing. Am I on now? I'll turn this off here now. Oh, the sound guy. You got to be thick skin, elephant skin to be a sound guy. Because you got to endure failure on a regular basis and criticism. Of course, constructive. People love to say, this is constructive criticism. That's like taking a knife and stabbing and say, but I sharpened it. Well, thank you. Thank you. I don't want to be stabbed by a dull knife. Oh, who would ever want that? But uh, criticism always always grabs you, doesn't it? But, but nevertheless, it is constructive, man. We love you back there. Are we on now? Can I move around? I feel good because, you know, I moved away. It bothered me. What's going on? All right, here we go. Uh, you that are trusting Christ in, in this room as well as this goes over the Internet, wherever it may go, we're much more better blessed. When I observe the poor souls around the world and in the news and the people that I meet with during the week as they grope around in this life, often worshiping a God made in man's image of some kind, uh, they worship a mean God, a spiteful God, an unjust God, a God that uh, is seeing how he can damn you rather than save you in some cases. Or if it's not that kind of God, it's a God uh, that is full of drivel, forgiving without repentance, restoring the unrepentant without change of heart. A God full of drivel who saves everyone, no matter what they do or how they act, like kind of like a senile old woman who, without sense, bestows benevolence on the evil of heart just because they're her children. Or possibly they make a God that is without mercy, that makes them work without mercy to receive possibly salvation, which they never have assurance of, requiring of them long hours of prayer, long hours of restless service, a God that requires possibly long hours of personal deprivation, absolute loyalty, that the first sign of disloyalty, they're cut off and damned to hell. Or possibly a God that is going to cause you to be reincarnated by how you behave in this life. Some of them be reincarnated to be cats. Some of them be reincarnated, they say, to be dogs. Now, being reincarnated to be a dog in the United States would be a fabulous reincarnation. Because I have seen dogs treated generally in the United States much better than I see people treated. They are coddled. They are, they are fluffed. They are fed. They get better food than I get at McDonald's. As a kid, one of the reasons for my fabulous health as a kid, I ate dog biscuits. I'm going to hear eight dog biscuits. All of you dog biscuits, people, we should have a Sunday school class called the Dog Biscuit Gang. Jesus is better than all of these man-made gods. These gods made in the, men of, the, the image of men. And by the way, there are so many. All of the gods out there beside the true God and the living God are made in some sort of an image of man. There's three reasons given in verse 6 here in chapter 8 why Jesus is better. He has, first of all, a more excellent ministry than they all have. What is the word ministry? It means service. Christ understands us better 
than these other so-called saviors of the world. Why? Well, in Hebrews 4.15 it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points. How many points? All points tempted like as we are. That's tested like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ, God, manifests in the flesh, as it says in the Bible, 2 Timothy 3.16, He came upon this whole world as a man and incarnated, and it's been said He was all man, all God. How can that be? Well, that's why He was a supernatural, only begotten Son of God. It was never done before. Never done since. Won't be. He understands the feeling of our weaknesses. I praise God that I worship a God that understands what I feel like when I get up in the morning. What I feel like when I go to bed at night. What I feel like when I've worked a hard, long, hot day. He, he, what I feel like when I'm hungry. What I feel like when I'm cold. What I feel like when I'm, when I'm betrayed or, or when people speak evil of me. Ooh. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Praise God, we have, a, we have a Savior. He is so much better because we have a Savior that has a more excellent ministry than they all. Because he understands us being one of us, having walked upon this old world in a body like ours. He understands this. Hebrews chapter 2, 16 says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Hebrews 2, 18 says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor. The word succor means to aid or relieve or to help them that are tempted. God became man and dwelt among us. He ate our food. He felt our cold nights. He suffered the pangs of hunger. He worked on in weariness. He was tempted to do wrong really to misuse his power. He was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was, he was criticized, he was demeaned. Wrong information was said about him. Oh, misunderstood intentions. He was threatened, disappointed, betrayed by friends, betrayed by family, turned on by the crowd who cheered, Hosanna in the highest, turned around just a few days later and said, crucify him, crucify him. His ministry. He had a more excellent ministry or service. His service was intimate with the things that we contend with. He had experiential knowledge of who we are, not just a far distant away intellectual knowledge, but he experientially walks with us. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 2, I heard that the doc may be preached on this or taught on this, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Praise God, he had a more excellent ministry than they all. Christ Jesus is much more better because he had a much better ministry than they all. Secondly, he is much more better uh, because he is the mediator of a better covenant. 
praise God, I am not under the law of Moses. Now, the law of Moses in its moral form is real and never changing. It's always wrong to murder. It's always wrong to commit adultery. Those things, every one of them carried over to us in their moral form, the Ten Commandments, uh, except to keep the, remember, remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. That changed in the New Testament because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why we meet today. What do we meet today for? We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. From the earliest form of the church, it began to do that. And take your Bibles, if you would. I want you to mark this in your book. 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians. That's right after 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 through 12 is a few verses and it is lengthy. Let me read it quickly. They're short. But I want you to try to, if you have a pen or a pencil, and maybe mark some of these things because it will help you as you go back and read through later. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 through 12 says, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us. You, you know you are considered an epistle. You are a story. Every one of us is an individual story. Adam, as I look at him, is an individual story of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. As I look at Sharon, who does not use her songbook because she has all the words memorized, is an individual story of the grace of God. I still don't believe she has it, but I'm watching her. Cassia, uh, Cassandra, is an individual story, an epistle, a letter of the grace of God. Uh, brother, brother Corey, same thing with you. Same thing with Brother Gillespie's epistles a little longer than yours. However, if I may say that, a few more pages have been added to his. But every one of us walk, as, as we say, we trust you, Christ our Savior, and he's come into our lives and he's renewed us. We are a story of the grace of God. Every one of us has. Don't you ever think, well, my testimony isn't very good because I didn't do a real lot of bad, uh, gloriously bad stuff that makes it exciting. God forbid. We don't glory in the bad stuff. We glory in the grace of the good stuff that God has given us. I've had people say, well, I haven't done a lot of bad stuff. My testimony is not real good. <laughs> Whoa, no, no, no. All the people in this room that have done a lot of real bad stuff, they wish they hadn't done it. They wish they had the testimony of those folks that haven't gone out and committed adultery or haven't gone out and committed wickedness or haven't done drugs or haven't done been drinking or been saved from alcohol. They, they wish they could say, I never drank a drop of alcohol. I never smoked a cigarette. I never, I never smoked a joint. And if I did, I never inhaled. All of us old dope smokers knew better than that. Verse uh, 3. Was I at verse 3 there? So I never got out of verse 3. An epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not with tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. You understand he's talking to people, a lot of them converted Jews and understood the law of Moses. And here's what he says. He begins to compare the law, the other system, that former system, the law of Moses, which was, by the way, just holy and good, but that former system compared to the new system. Ooh, there's no comparison. Christ is so much more better because of his excellent ministry because, but more than that, he has a better covenant. You and I are under a better covenant than the covenant of the law of Moses. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, 
not that we are sufficient ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Verse 5, verse 6, and here's where it starts. Who hath also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, that's that new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But the, and the, For if the ministration of death, he's referring to the law of Moses, or that covenant written and engraved in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of the countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit rather be glorious? He's comparing the ministration of death compared to the ministration of the Spirit. Wow! For if the ministration of condemnation, whoa, Paul, through the Holy Spirit, he's doing this now, folks. He's referring back to that old covenant as ministration. Wow, of condemnation be glory. Much, uh, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Remember, this is under inspiration of the Spirit of God. For even that which was made glorious hath no glory in their respect by the glory of that which excelleth, that which was to come. Even though the Old Testament glory of the law, there was a certain glory in it, it's overshadowed by the glory of the new covenant. For if, in verse 11, for if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. That's the new covenant. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Now let me just do you a little quick comparison and summation of this passage. He said, the letter killeth. That's the old covenant. But the spirit maketh alive. That's the new covenant. The ministration of death on, written on stones. That's the old covenant. The ministration of the spirit in our hearts. That's the new covenant. The ministration of condemnation, that's the old covenant. The ministration of righteousness, that's the new covenant. That which is done away, that's the old covenant. That which remaineth, that's the new covenant. Look in chapter 8 and verse 7, the one verse after our text. Go back to chapter 8, verse 7. Nine, verse 6 is our text, and look at verse 7. He says, for if the first covenant had been faultless... Then should no place have been sought for a second. What's that tell you? The first covenant was never meant to last. It was to keep us as a schoolmaster, as a teacher, to bring us to the place that the Messiah could come. The one that the whole thing had anticipated all the way back to Genesis 3.15. The whole thing through Abraham and then through the covenant of the law of Moses was to bring us to the, the best of the best. Jesus Christ, the Savior and the Messiah, who would die on the old rugged cross and shed His blood and be resurrected the third day, totally and absolutely satisfying the justice of God against all our sin. Glory to God, that means a lot. That means through faith in Him, not by works of righteousness. God forbid that you try to add to the covenant by your measly works. But you accept it by faith because God said it and you believe it. And that consummates a relationship. And the blood of Jesus Christ who was shed and satisfied that justice then gets applied to you. And all your bad thoughts and all your wrongdoings and all your evil things are satisfied under the blood of Christ. It was enough. It was paid in full. And then we can go free. Now people that get pardoned like that walk out 
with a whole load of gratitude. Amen? Why should I serve God? Because He saved you. If you're really born from above, you have a load of love and gratitude for God and say, now what can I do for you? That's what's motivated the real servants of God from the first century to this century. It's a motivate. We're not here this morning because we have to be. We're not here this morning because we feel ob obligated to be. We're not here this morning because we're under condemnation or we've we got to do this or work in them. We do this because we get to do it. We, get to, we do this because we have a spirit of gratitude for the great ministry that Jesus Christ has towards us and the phenomenal covenant. Somebody follow those guys out. Make sure they're okay. See what's going on. The great covenant that Jesus Christ has prepared for us and that we are part of. Woo! In Hebrews 10, 14, it says, For by one offering, that's Jesus Christ on the cross, He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Are you sanctified here this morning? Are you part of that this morning? You say, well, I don't know. Brother, don't walk out of this place without knowing. It says in Romans, For him that worketh not, but believeth on him that sanctified the ungodly. His faith, his faith is counted for righteousness. Price has been paid. Your works are not to pay for your salvation. Your works are in gratitude for what's already been done and already been paid by the grace of God. 90% of all world religions are trying to pay for their salvation with their works. They're somehow trying to satisfy the anger of God against their sin. Those thousand plus pyramids in Peru that have been discovered are a, a futile attempt of mankind to pay for their sin. They broke the code, the language of the Mayans not long ago. On one of those pyramids I was reading, it said that they slaughtered 40,000 people and shed their blood to satisfy the sun god of his anger over their sin. You want to know why they disappeared? Do you realize that Mexico had a road system from coast to coast? An ancient road system, the capital being the now Mexico City. Under Mexico City was the Mayan capital. Where'd those people go? Where are the Aztecs? Where are the Mayans? They tried to satiate the anger of God against their sin through works. It doesn't work. Christ is much more better because He has a better ministry. He has a better covenant established upon, number three, better promises. We just simply, under the, under the covenant of grace, have better promises. They had promises in the Old Testament under the covenant of the law. Keep the whole law, walk in it, and you'll be justified. James says, he that defends the law on one point is guilty of all. If you steal a penny, well, it says it on the job site, steal a nail, and that's what's it say? 
people haven't been on many job sites? Steal a nail, go to jail. In other words, it says you are in the family of thieves if you take a nail off that job site that's not yours and take it home. Steal a nail, go to jail. That's very similar to the law of Moses. If you lie once, you become you're part of the family of the liars. Yeah. So all the law of Moses did was condemn me guilty. And in foreshadowing of the one to come, the sacrificial part of it was attached to it to bring us to Christ, who was going to be the Lamb that was slain for you and for me. We have better promises. What are some of those promises, Brother Bill? How about this? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It don't get better. It don't get better. That promise is good as it gets. Do you believe this morning? Believe. Believe. Be like the old boy. Say, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. How about this promise? That's John 3.16. How about John 3.36? He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That's some good promises, brother. It doesn't get better than that. Colossians chapter 1 verse 21. If you take your Bibles, not just listen. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he hath reconciled. These are promises now. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you, and boy, everybody ought to look this one up. Colossians chapter 1, verse 22. You have a, a, a spell on this one. In the body of his flesh, through death, that's the death on the cross, to present you three words that are not comprehensible to me in my mind. Number one, he's going to present me someday holy. Number two, he's going to present me unblameable. Is my wife going to be there? She surely will not be able to speak. Nobody that's worked with me long. Brother Moon can't be there. Angie can't be there. Chris can't be there. Heather, she's too young yet to know. Unblameable. Look at the third one. Unreprovable. In whose sight? See, in your sight, that may be one thing because you can be deceived. But God cannot be deceived. God sees the very thoughts and the very intents of me. He sees what I'm thinking about, what I'm daydreaming about. He sees the very, the, he sees the very worst of the worst of who I am. And he says, because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the old rugged cross and the resurrection of, of consequent resurrection, the uh, stamp of approval that of all the people who said they were Christ, Jesus is the Christ. Why? He was resurrected, nobody else was. 
He's the one. That's why Christianity early on was called the way. It's the way. There's only one way through Jesus Christ. Because there's only one Savior, there was only one offering that propitiated the justice of God, and that was Jesus Christ, shed on the old, blood, uh, old rugged cross, proved by the resurrection. If you will simply say, I believe, with all my heart, I believe that is the one. He is the way. He is the truth. God said He'll save you. Make you His own. Put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. But bigger than all that, He'll make you holy. He'll make you unblameable. And He'll make you unreprovable. Come on. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face and understand the amazing grace. You want to know why amazing grace is number one song among Christianity? Whether they are liberal or conservative, it is crazy as crazy. That song cannot be killed. You have, you have carnal, scantily clad women singing this on national TV for rock and roll contests. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I'm like, what are they doing singing that? Because God won't let it die. He won't let it be smothered. He won't let it be made put into obscurity. Amazing grace, Jesus Christ dying on the cross is the amazing grace that song refers to. Nobody can say anything else. It's not Muhammad, it's not Buddha, it's not, it's not Shintu, it's Jesus Christ. You know what? Jesus is much more better than the rest. And that should motivate and be sufficient motivation to live for Him in the few years you have after you get saved. It should be plenty of motivation the last to 69 years old. It should be plenty of motivation the last to 92 years old. Or to 90 years old, as old brother Rose is getting ready to have, if he lives so long, have his 90th birthday. It ought to be enough for you. Shame on you that are out there quivering in and out of sin, walking on the edge of the world and things of God. Maybe you have never experienced internally the grace of God. Because once you understand how great a salvation, which is, by the way, in Hebrews, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation. It's in this same book. You, do you understand? You don't want to neglect this greatest salvation, this greatest gift, this greatest sacrifice, this greatest propitiation, this greatest of, of preparation that God has done for us. Woo! Live for Jesus. Put away everything, everything that pulls away from you. 
Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The blood of Jesus Christ and the greatness of that purges you from those dead works so you can serve the living God. It frees you. When I got right with God and gave my life to Christ and everything I am, it was His. I had all kinds of, of parasitical sins in my life. And God, one by one, freed me from those parasites. Freed me from those parasites. And freed me from those parasites. And finally, one day, I'll be free from the final parasite called the old nature. The old man. And when you see him in me, he's ugly. He's real ugly. And he will make you not like me. And can you imagine that? Verse 6 of chapter 8 of Hebrews. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. How much... Also, he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Father, help us in some degree to understand the salvation that we have, the how great salvation, as you call it. Father, some of us are pretty maybe fuzzy in this due to the fact we haven't really studied it, haven't looked at it, haven't spent the time in pursuing it. Maybe some here are newly saved and just haven't had the time to understand the greatness of the salvation. Help us to know it, and only you can let us see it. Help us to see it. You're the God that said that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So today, at this moment, through this word, save some folks. Let them see themselves before God, a sinner, unable to save themselves by any amount of good works. May they see clearly Jesus Christ substituting for them on that old rugged cross, taking their sin upon Himself and satisfying the justice of God and being sealed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection. And then may they say, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. The Bible says it this way in John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them may, may he, to as many as received him, to them, to them, he allowed them to become the sons of God, the children of God. Would you come today? You got any question in a moment? We saying we're going to stand. We make it open and clear and easy as we can. Why don't you come and receive Christ? And say, yes, to as many as received him. Will you be part of that many? Or will you walk out of here missing those good things God has given you and for you? We'd love to be able to pray with you in the privacy of a room behind me, one-to-one, in confidentiality and kindness, show you how you can be saved like we were saved. Maybe you're here today as a Christian. You say, Brother Bill, I've... I've not taken my salvation like I should have. I have lightly esteemed it. And may that change today.
Do what you got to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand together?